All right, welcome. This is episode five of What Are We? We're Pun Pals. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Jake and Tom, back Hello. at it. <laughs> welcome. Wow. How are you, Jake? I'm good. How are you, Tom? I'm feeling pretty good today. Oh, good. I've got glad. some energy. I'm ready to go. I feel like we're going to power through this one today. We got we got commitments. We've got strict timelines. Cause uh, you know why? Because we're back at work. Yeah. The holidays are over. I'm back at it. Yep. Like a bad habit. I'm starting up next, well, this week. I'm going in for two days this week, unpaid. We, I don't think the audience even knows. You have a job. Yeah, I'm, I'm working again. You're employed. Yeah. It's all happened. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody yeah. decided that they would like you to do something. Somebody well, they, they haven't met me properly yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I work as a school teacher and we're, in, we're just coming to February. So for the people that are not in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, which is like most of our audience, <laughs> um, our school holidays run from uh, December through to February. And so it's if you don't have a job lined up in November, you're probably not going to get one until February. Mm. And so I've just jumped into a role as like a... Senco, I think is the UK term, but over here we call it a support teacher. And their job is to look after the um, kids with extra educational needs. Mm. When you said support teacher, for some reason I just assumed that maybe you were supporting teachers. But support teacher is... uh, Yeah, no, so there's a teacher assistant, which is the person who goes in and helps out the teacher. Mm. My job is to tell those people which teachers to go and support. Right. So you excited? <clears throat> oh, I mean, it's going to be a big job. Uh, it's, it's always a, ends up being a big job, but it's, it's an exciting opportunity. I've never done this and particular role before. So good I'll pay, give it a go. Good pay too. Oh yeah. I mean, it pays the same as any teacher rate. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so in six t- figure salary. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Really? In Australian. <laughs> It's really a six-figure salary. Yeah, it's a six-figure salary, Jeez. but it's Australian money. So, wow, <clears throat> wow, money, Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And you tell me about your work. Yeah, well, I'm back at it, but I don't even have an official contract yet for this year. So, every time I've met with my boss and the HR person, we've come out with a different idea about what's going to happen this year. All I know is that things are going to be different, and that to me is terrifying because I have a family to support over here. The idea of something being different means that I might not make as much money or there might actually be less work. Uh, Can I tell the story of of one of my chats with the HR? I think it's worth saying, yeah. Yeah. So, look. You probably want to preface just by saying that nobody understands what you do. It's, it's really tricky whenever you do a technical role. You, I really believe that you need someone above you who understands what you're doing. Otherwise, nobody has any sort of KPI to judge you against. Nobody can tell whether you're even doing the work. Mm. And it also means that when they accept new projects at, say, a CEO um, level, the CEO won't have an idea of the actual ramifications of accepting that, that new project. I so often what happens is someone like me will come in after a project's been accepted and then realize okay well there's there's actually 35 hours a month that needs to go here so one quarter of a person just has to be manufactured out of thin air 
to support this new project. And it's very much like that. We're about to go into another another one like that. And yeah, there's hours to be sunk sunk away there. I went into this year thinking that they would actually like me to, they were putting a lot of pressure for me to be back in the office, mm. like physically working there instead of my studio, which is, you know, the perfect editing location. We're sitting in it right now. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's a lo- lovely really place to and... edit videos and, and make social media. But I think you got to make the point as well that the equipment that you have in this studio is like much better than the equipment that they have on site. Yeah. So in order to do your job, you kind of require this equipment here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think I think there's some level of social media stuff you can do straight from a, a basic laptop. Yeah. But as soon as you do any sort of graphic work where where you have a text that animates from one side to the other, that can make a little laptop just go to a chug. So even if that was the only consideration, a strong computer like my Mac Studio over here is obviously going to churn through that a lot better. But it's worse than that because we also have audio to consider. We're a organization that focuses on high quality audio. So when we under the current situation, I wouldn't have a place to actually do that. I'd have to do it on headphones and it's not really the sort of office where I could sit there with headphones and make the sort of quality that I make now. Yeah. They're not aware of that stuff, but even that isn't the real crux of it. The real crux of it comes down to high data management, which is almost like an IT-based task. And what I've learned is that most IT people, they know the bit that they work on but they don't really know everything and they certainly don't know everything if they're multi, uh, doing multiple locations. Yeah. So we use a third-party company. That's not, so our IT specialist isn't an IT specialist for us. They work at a different location. Yeah. And then we call them and we set, um, you know, submit support requests. I think it's a terrible situation, honestly. But Yeah, my previous job had that same thing. We had a third-party IT provider. Mm. Uh so look, we've gone I went into these chats with managers that they were feeling like they wanted me on site more and they also wanted to simplify a lot of the videos that I make. So obviously high quality video is what I do. They want to make TikTok. And I'm not sure that that's a great idea even um for the for the audience who <laughs> I don't think that that actually is going to result in additional sales for this company. Yeah. But I also want to support them because, you know, I also don't want to talk them out of even employing me this year. Remember, they haven't even renewed my contract, so I don't even know whether I have a job. So I also don't want to talk them out of the only job that I currently have. Right. So so that's what I'm dealing with. We're going into meetings, and the last meeting I went into, halfway through the meeting, I just they were asking me some questions and what i said was there is no one above me that understands the ramifications for the projects that are being accepted when it comes to tech technical things at this office i am the last person in that chain you're you could simplify these projects by having me come in right at the beginning of those acceptance meetings and then help being steering the conversation away from say so, so that we can actually discuss at an organizational level what the real impact of something will be. And what's logistically possible versus what's going to be not worth the man hours. Totally. But, 
often what happens is I accept a, uh, they accept a task and then they find out that it costs a whole half a person or four hundred hours per year, and then they, we just find that time. We just make it happen. Mm. But there's generally great personal cost in that. Anyway, halfway through this meeting, I said something along those lines, and it was like the bosses just sort of had this awakening. They were they looked at each other and they were like, "Oh, we were going to give you this position description." They've completely changed their minds. They're going to throw that out and start fresh, which they seemed quite excited about. But I'm still, I still have no idea what's going to happen now. There's a chance that next week I could be offered, in fact, it's tomorrow, I could be offered a part-time job that actually has the exact same thing that I'm already doing, just half of it. Yeah. And that sounds terrible. Especially because we're at this point with this organization where I've been there enough years where I'm meant to be offered a full-time position in the thing I'm already doing. Yeah. And now we're coming back and, look, I just don't know what to expect. I'm nervous, a bit scared. I'm nervous that that they don't have my best interests at heart, that the interests between the two departments don't really match. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? I think it's fair to say that no corporation has its employees' best interests at heart these mm. days. There's no more loyalty to, like there used to be this ideal that, you know, if you get a degree and you go in and you stay loyal to your job, they'll look after you. Mm. And it's just not the case anymore. And you hear more and more about workers going in to protect themselves and look after their own personal development and attend their own sort of seminars and things because they know that they're not going to get it from work and they know that eventually that job is going to leave and if they want to get a raise or any sort of more significant position, they can expect a promotion in in their current workplace but it won't be a significant one. Mm. If they want to really start moving up, they need to move to a different job. Also, I'm a videographer or cinematographer in terms of the business, my upgrade, I can't just become the director of, let's say, marketing. Mm. You know, where's where's my, my career aspirations end at this position? And I'm 37, <laughs> I think I am. You know, like that's that's a long time left in my life to not know, to not have any actual career prospects. Yeah. And I, I look around and sometimes I meet people who are even from the same business. There's not many left now who have been there 25, 35 years. But there certainly was a lot, and now there is just not. Mm. We're going through this phase where we just churn people every five years, and they go to a different position. It just seems to happen across the entire landscape. I know that none of the people that gave you the job are still there. Exactly. And so there's no real understanding about what it is that you really do. There's There's what it looks like on paper, and and but that doesn't go into great detail about the the behind the scenes work that you have to put in, mm. and I think that's where the friction lies because there's no real understanding of all the things you do because you're not there and you're not seen. You're here doing the things in your own studio. Even it, but even while I'm there, the sort of job that I work is quite productiony, which means that it's it's the thing that's done when they all go home after a, an event or something yeah and the, i Late just hours. think i think that they miss that because while they're having a good time drinking i'm with a bunch of other people doing something doing hard labor sometimes usually because you have to vacate the premises yeah before they, the they often don't think about that ends. something else that happened i i got the notification that i've been with this organization for 8 years today wow so 
Um, and if you look at those eight years, I, re- I worked in another department there. Yeah. And I found out the other day that my notes from eight years ago, that's what they were using now to, to do it. Because I apparently, even in my assistant position that I used to work back then, I, my note taking was, I was the only person taking notes on how to make this event happen. Yeah, right. So they're using that. Do they have your name on it? Yeah, it does. So they know that it's you. They know that it's me. Yeah. Which I thought was, that's fantastic. Does your current boss know that? No. No. But how would he? Well, I don't know. But again, this comes back to the people that are making the decisions about what you do and your future at the company don't have the information about what you've already contributed or what it is that you actually really do behind closed doors. Mm. Hmm. And I don't. I, what's the best way to let them know, though? Like, is it even worth letting them know? No, I think it should stay a mystery. It benefits me that it's a mystery to them, and it also, like, they do not want to have to stress the way that I stress about things. Like, if I was them, I would want to keep that part out of my mind. Absolutely, just separate it, because some some nights I take. 45 minutes when, once I come home to just to just debrief myself on all of this all of the stuff like in a single day I could have three computers doing data transfers back and forth with a, and I usually set timers on my phone so they these alarms are just telling me okay now it's time to check the other one now this time to do this yeah imagine what that the sort of personality that, that and the place that it puts you in mentally to do that and do it constantly. Has your IT provider been consulted on any of that? What are their thoughts? Well, here's the thing. The IT can provider, when we went to buy a new NAS, um, mm. I and when I, we initially went to do that purchase, it took them two months to even get quotes back and purchase it. By then, I'd already personally bought my own NAS and became an expert in that type of NAS. And I made sure that I bought the same one that I thought the organization would buy. And thereby, I, by the time it arrived, mine, I'd been using mine for a month, month and a half. Yeah. And I know it better than the IT guy does. So when now when it comes to specialization in the, the exact organization's um, data, you that guy is me and I'm already on staff. Mm. Um. It certainly makes my my job good to be that way. And I like ne- learning new things and I like being good at stuff too. And, you know, with my mind, I just sort of sink into it and I enjoy it and, and I can saturate myself in it and it's great. In some ways, it sort of makes me indispensable for certain tasks. So I can see why as a manager, you might not like that. Yeah. Imagine how it feels to be my manager and not even know if I call him is what's he doing today? So, for instance, uh, we had a meeting today um, just just over Zoom to talk about uh, a potential video. Right. When the meeting finished up, they were talking about all of the, the marketing stuff around the video. The video's not even made yet. Mm. So I, I immediately, when I finished the call went and called the person who the video would be about just because I know them directly. And I said, well, what's the chance that we could actually get 
together and actually just make this video. Um, I'm scared that if we stick with what's happening here, there's going to be a timeline crunch and it's not going to happen. Mm. And I'm likely going to be able to line something up for this weekend. Oh, there you go. And if I didn't do that, the video that we just had that whole meeting about would not be possible because it's due next week. But right. they, they haven't even formulated what it is. But we don't – that's the thing about videos as well. One thing I've discovered about them is that sometimes it's not for you to decide what the content is. Just go talk to the person who the content is about Find out what it's about, yeah, and make the video, yeah. And you, it's very easy to spend with videos. It's very easy to spend three times longer managing the video than actually just making the video. Yeah, management and um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's that's what's going on with me. I sort of also don't like thinking about it. Like for me, it's much easier if I just focus on a task and then complete a task. If I look at this as a, at a global level, everything just feels a little bit fucked at the moment. Like it's a, I'm juggling too many balls. I've only just started back and I'm already, yeah, I'm nervous that I even have a job and all of that nonsense. Yeah. I'd prefer to just think about one task, one video and make that. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and distance myself from a lot from their riffraff, especially until I know if I have a job, whether my job is the same job I currently have. I, you know, I've, I've got additional support staff too. I should say that. Yeah. I haven't even told them, that, like, it's nearly February. Mm. I haven't even told them if they have jobs yet because I don't know if I have a job to manage them to yeah. have a job. Yeah. I've just told them to stand by. And I'm not even sure as a as I'm a manager. Yeah. As a manager, should I communicate to them that they that the reason that this problem is occurring is not me, but it's HR that I don't have a contract? But I feel like that's not a right thing to really discuss with subordinates. No, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it is. So I'm trying to just keep the distance. They probably think this is a fault with my management, though. And I don't like that either because they're likely eventually to just go to complain and be like, hey, we haven't got any hours. What's going on? Mm. I'm trying to get in contact with uh, Tom, but, you know, haven't got anything. Is yeah. a problem? Uh, all right. So that's what's going on with me. Jake, lay it on. Well, I feel like this is becoming irregular, but I got another dating thing that happened. As long as it doesn't involve a knife. No, no, no knife this time. Yep. Um, This one's a spatula. You attacked with a spatula? No, I wasn't attacked at all. Well, actually, I don't know. Tell me what you think of this. This, I wasn't really sure how to feel about this. Okay. So I went on a date the other day with this girl and she's lovely. Um, You know, she's got a lot of similar interests to me. I think she's really pretty. And we just went for an impromptu walk and she was a little bit awkward, but, you know, it was kind of quirky and, you know, I I can vibe with that anyway because I I can be a little bit awkward too. Mm -hmm. And so we just went for this walk. It was really nice. Um, she goes to the gym every day and so we we were talking and then we decided to go on a gym date. So we went to the gym together and then, uh, you know, had a great time at the gym, you know, we're r- racing on the treadmill and stuff. And then um, we decided to go out for dinner as a third date. And so we went out for dinner. Wow, a real date. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're uh, after dinner, we just go for this walk and... Um, 
you know, we, we talk about things and she's a really sort of conservative girl. She's she's Christian, but she's not really practising, but she, you know, she believes in it and stuff. And um, she's got a lot of those traditional values that you could associate with someone that's a little bit more conservative, I'd say. Um, she wants, she's looking for a real gentleman and, you know, she's <laughs> not really out there looking for hookups or anything like that. In fact, she's never done the hookup thing ever. And I'm like, right, well, you know, that's that's cool because I'm looking for something serious myself, you know, and this could be this could be really good for us, or for me, <laughs> I should say. Mm. And so we keep on talking, and then everything's starting to shut um, because we live in Hobart and things shut early. And but I I said, well, I, I want to keep hanging out. I'm really enjoying this. Do you want to do you want to do something? And she's like, well, we could go back to mine, but. No funny, like I, I, I'm not ready for anything serious. But last time you were told no funny business, funny. This is you remember last week's story. Yeah, you, exact same thing. No funny business, then funny business happened. Can I can I say most times when someone says no funny business, there is always funny business. It's hilarious over here. It's it's just it's such a mixed signal, mm-hmm. but it always leads to to funny business. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're they're setting out or if they just say it to make themselves feel better or it's like some sort of game, but it always maybe I'm just that charming. I don't know. <laughs> I think they want to put themselves in charge of what's gonna to happen to them. I think that's that's what it is. Well they they always are in charge of that. Yes, but they they're establishing that with you. They're putting it themselves in charge of you. Do you think it's something like that? Yeah. See, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Anyway, I I was Perfectly fine to not have any funny business. Sure. Said, Let's go back. Mm-hmm. And we go back and we watch a movie. The movie was great. It's a movie called, I've already told you about this, Dylan and, is it Dylan and Chuck or something? Oh, this is uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. And we can talk more about that later, but yep. I, I really enjoyed that. Yep. And then, so we're watching this movie and then we're cuddled up on the couch and, you know, things start happening and one thing leads to another. And Oh, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> We we had our we had our lovely moment together and it was romantic and beautiful and like all the candles were aligned and everything. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, she told me that it was actually her first time. Now to me, <laughs> now she's she's thirty one. Uh, so oh look, no no judgment. Well, no judgment. I I wasn't expecting it. Uh, and I I I was a little bit curious. I said, "What do you how?" how is this the case? Because she is really pretty. And um, she said that she started going to the gym last year, probably about six months ago, and she's gone every day since, and she is just smashing the gym. And she just said before that she didn't have the confidence and she wasn't her heart wasn't really in dating anyway. Um, and so she just wasn't really interested in pursuing anything. And I think her awkward personality probably holds to that too. She, she just doesn't like. I think she knows that she looks quite good now, um, and it's given her that little bit more confidence. But it put me in an interesting position where I wasn't really sure how I felt about that because. Can I just get a sense from you? Well, yeah. What sort of indications did you have that there was some virginity here? What was there any sort of telling signs? I don't or is, think. Or was this actually a bit of a reveal for you too? I think when they're. When they're like twenty, mm. you can see signs. Mm. When they're thirty-one, you just put it down to this is a new person, and you know, you've got quirks or something. Yeah, yeah. You you don't really. Th- I I don't know. It, does, it didn't enter my mind that you know a girl as pretty as her could be a virgin at thirty-one. 
And yeah, so it, it really threw me off. But I mean, it was fine. Well, yeah. So I, I, look, you probably know how I feel about this stuff, but I think it's worth saying that I don't really have a problem with with virginity, but I do. In a, when you start a relationship, you generally want to be in a place where you are on equal footing on at least the majority of places. And you can say that somebody who is a virgin, they likely are missing out not only on the sexual parts of relationships, but likely many other parts of relationships throughout their entire life. There's this uh, thing that happens generally in your mid-20s where you maybe live with somebody for a, a number of yeah. years. You understand the the parts of the relationships that can fail, and as the as a member of a relationship, you can help navigate yourself away from those potential traps. Yeah. That, that person is not going to have that and you're going to be their test ground if your relationship continues. And that's that's the scary part is you're going to have to deal with things in an uneven playing field. You'll know that certain fighting techniques and discussion and communication techniques get you to one place. She's not going to know that. She's not going to know how to discuss when the the dishes aren't done. She's not going to know how to discuss when she sees an, an ex, uh, when you guys see an ex at the local KFC. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, they, they, there's lots of things. There's a lot happens. of new territory there. It's so much new territory. And yeah. it's not just the virginity part of that. But she would be a virgin in many other ways too. Well, that's, that's more what I was th- alluding to as well. I don't care that she's a virgin or not. You know, it's... But twenty first century, it's. it's I, I still feel like nice. the, I don't want to discount the the sex part too, though. Yeah, is that uh, your? I'm gather that your skills and uh, ability to please and and all of those things, you're going to know a little bit about yourself sexually yeah. by having those experiences. You go into a relationship that, and you haven't had those experiences. You don't even know what you like. Well, Do you know that? You yeah, but on, like. on that though, and without giving away too much information, she she's quite sexually liberal. She she's explored that aspect of herself, oh, just okay. not with a partner. Um, and so she she knows she's really clear on things that she's always wanted to try, and you know she's she's no stranger to the idea of things. Mm. Uh, and so okay. she's very she's very uh, willing to explore that that aspect of life now. The fact that she's a virgin is not not really an issue to me. It's kind of nice in a lot of ways because it's like, well, um, in in the way that she's very eager to learn what I like, uh, and but but I don't know. I guess the consequence is that what I'm finding is that in all other aspects of of us hanging out, she's she's bringing that sort of same. She's a little bit too eager to make me comfortable, which is really nice, but it almost feels exploitative in a way, like I'm getting everything that I could possibly want uh, and she's doing it because she's putting her best foot forward and stuff and, and showing me what a great person she is and stuff and that's really nice and I'm trying to do the same as well, but it's sort of like every decision comes down to what I think and then whatever I say is the right answer. And so she'll go along with it. Like, what do I feel? Like, last night I stayed at her place last night and, you know, we're talking about dinner. I I mentioned in passing earlier, like, oh, you know, there was a really good pizza place. Um, You know, we could have had pizza. 
And then all night she just said, well, do you want to get pizza? Like, you, I feel like you really want pizza. And I, I sort of mentioned it more in passing that there's a good pizza place, not that we need to have pizza tonight. And I said, well, look, I'm, you know, sure, but we could have anything. We don't have to have pizza. And he's like, no, but I know that you want pizza. And I'm like, well, I, I don't really, like, she said, well, as long as we have something with carbs, I feel like carbs. And I said, okay, well, we could have Indian, uh, some Chinese or a pizza. And she's like, oh, you're making me choose. I'm like, well, just pick one of those three and I'll pick the restaurant based on the choice you make. And uh, we, we, we ended up having pizza. <laughs> and I, I, part of me thinks that's just because I said the name of a good pizza place more than it was about – it felt more like she was play, like telling me what she thinks I wanted to hear more than giving me a genuine thought – do you know what I mean? I, I'm getting that. Yeah, I'm I, getting that thought across a bit. Like, there's a few times when we've we've put something on TV or something, and I feel like, are we only watching this because you think that's what I want to watch right now? And I I don't know how I feel about that. I don't I don't really. I should love it. It should be great because I'm getting everything I want, but it doesn't feel right to me. To help us work out what exactly is happening here, can I just can I just ask you a question? Sure. What's different? What's wrong with somebody being? eager to please because that's the sounds like it could just be someone being eager to please what's the difference between that and what you're saying i feel like it's not an equal partnership if it's just someone giving me whatever i want at the expense of what they might want but you're right at the beginning you're like you you're probably three four dates in it's it's not it isn't an equal partnership yet it's just a it's just a couple of friends hanging out True. Let's say, Jake, when we go to go get food, yeah. Do do you have this problem with me? Well, I don't know that we. I I don't know. I don't you so. you tell me what you want to have, and I'll tell you if I think it's a shit idea or not. Yeah, totally. But that's that, but that doesn't, doesn't happen. happen with her. What's the difference? I I I just need I need to you to articulate that bit. What's the difference? I don't feel like I'm getting the real her yet. I feel like I'm getting the person she thinks I want her to be. Now, that could be that she just wants to hang on to you because I think she, that's what it she is. has a proper connection with you. I think that's what it is. She she and this is the this is the other thing. This is why I would have liked to have known first because when uh, anyone's first time is always going to be a special thing. And now that that's me, it's put me into this sort of pedestal moment where I'm going to be that person that she has that special thing for forever. I'm always going to be her first. Ah, oh, damn it. And you are. That's, that's, it just means that I feel a little bit more committed going in now than I would have if she was just, you know, if it was just, if it had been like the girl the other week where, you know, no funny business when we get home and then we have funny business. Uh, if that doesn't work out, it, it doesn't feel the same as this one. This one feels like, well, because I was her first, I, I, regardless of whether I'm into her or not, I feel like I've got an obligated sense of duty to see how it goes that little bit longer uh, just because I don't want to be that guy that took her virginity then pissed off. Yeah, you have to make sure that you don't, you don't focus, you don't keep that in your mind. From you have to distance yourself from that to give the relationship any sort of objectivity. Well, I feel like I am. I mean, I I like her. 
I think she's really nice. Um, she, like I said, she is a little bit quirky, mm-hmm. and Can, I don't know yet. I'm not. I haven't made up my mind yet. She's lovely, but you might not even know who she is yet. Like, well, that's that's the other thing. Yeah. How about this? I'm sure you've thought this, but I'm going to articulate it from the audience perspective here. Let's pretend that some people are listening and, and okay. thinking the same thing. So what if uh, what if you just level with her at one point and say, "Look, we're you know we're a few dates in now. We're getting to know each other pretty well. But one thing I'm feeling like I need more of is I want to find out exactly who you are and get to know you for you. And in doing so, that's going to mean that sometimes you're going to say things that you might think are upset are going to upset me, or they might be different from my opinion. That's the stuff I want to hear." I want to find out what you're like, what you care about, and I want your stuff to feel as strong as my stuff so I can get to know you. And if she's like, if she starts dealing, just say, just remind her about how important it is. You could say, you know, for this, for this to go anywhere, we need the next step. We need to know who each other is and then learn to like and possibly one day love that person. And that requires a bit of sharing, a mm. bit of vulnerability. I don't know that I could trust that she would do it. Well, I, she, I don't know that it's a conscious thing either. I don't think that she's going to, <coughs> you know, like it's not like she's trying to withhold things, but if she knows that there's going to be something that I'm not going to like or that's going to be different to my opinion, I, I think she's got in her head that, well, how strongly do I feel about this and is it worth being disagreeable about that when I could just as be just as happy with what he's just said and do that. And that's fine. I'm happy with that. And I, I don't know, like it, it's just one of those things where I, ah, it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't feel right to me where, when you've got someone that is that agreeable. And I should say, I've been in past relationships with people. I I had a five-year relationship with someone that was incredibly agreeable and I just got everything I wanted all of the time. And we we never had an argument in the basically in the five years that we were going out. Like surely there were nagging bits and, uh, you know, we didn't always get on, but we never had a full-on fight. Mm. And I can remember I was talking about this with my, my mother of all the people and I can remember saying to her, we just get on so well, we've never had a fight. And she looked at me and said, that's not a good thing. No, you. I'm like, to, what yeah. do you mean? Like, never having a fight is not a good thing. She, she said, if if you're if you've never had a fight, that means that you've got things that you're not talking about, and that can only lead to resentment and and this bitter like bottling up of things. And so, I think when I see someone with that same agreeableness to themselves, that's the fear that I'm 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 getting on some level. I think, what does this lead to? Mm. It actually makes us makes me think of our friendship because I often think in my friend friendships I make an effort to not be as agreeable as I would be uh, in many other situations, say at work or something like that. I want to have a thing where I get some pushback if I'm doing something wrong. I would like to hear your opinion, Jake, on it. Not not some filtered view of my own opinion, just given back to me. I really hate it when I hear um, girlfriends talking about like they 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 talk to each other. Oh, you really? Oh, that's so hard. Like they sort of they naturally go to this agreeable state where they just support their friend through anything, and they think that support means 
I agree with you, mm. but I don't want agreement. In fact, sometimes I bring up subjects that I think you might disagree with me on just to see whether you agree with me or disagree with me. Can I say, when you do that, sometimes I just agree with you anyway. I know. and I can- <laughs> Because I'm like, well, I don't really know enough about this opinion to really cause an argument about it. I'll just say go along with it, whatever. And for me, on the other side, I can, I can feel sometimes that that's where it's going. And yeah. to be honest, it bores the hell out of me because that's not what I came into it wanting. Yeah. And in fact, it's been a process with me and my partner and just change, getting her to, uh, when I give her, give her a, a subject and, or, you know, give her work that I've completed, I want her not to reassure me that it's good if it's bad. I want her to critique it. I want to know where its failings are, where the problems in my reasoning are, where I didn't listen to someone. I want to find those bits out so that I can be better. Yeah. Now in the let's let's go back to your girl. Shall we calling her girl X or do you want to give her a name? Oh, I can't call her the X yet. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Okay. Should we call her A? <laughs> A. And we'll see how, whether we get through I think the, we should call her D. Should we call her the A? We should call her double D. Should we call her A and then we'll go through the entire alphabet by the end of this year? I no, no, because <laughs> I will have already expunged the alphabet. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't want to do that because I she's, like I said, I she's let's call her Cindy. Cindy. With, with Cindy, just think about, let's just think, try and psychoanalyze her from a distance here. What is her motivation to be agreeable, in your opinion? She wants to keep me in her life. She is not going to do that by being agreeable. No. And that's how you solve that, that problem. You communicate to her that she needs to give you a bit back. You need someone that you can push against a bit. Yeah. Right? And it's like even in the bedroom, I think that's a good thing to have. You want to have somebody with their own sort of personality. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't we don't you don't want a carbon copy of yourself. Could you imagine? That'd be <laughs> that'd be terrible. You want someone who you can play against. Hmm. Mm. So see if you can just if you can it might be subconscious right now what she's doing, but you can make it conscious with a single conversation of just laying that down, saying, look. I need to find out who you are, which means that you have to be willing to disagree with me. You have to be willing to push back. I want to hear your ideas a bit strongly. And what you, you know, if she's not used to that, she might say, Oh, I'm not very good at that. I'm not very used to it. Just say, Well, in the, in the meantime, while you're getting used to that idea, why don't you go a little bit further than you usually would? So if I ask you, Hey, um, how do you feel about this? You might usually be halfway on it. Just get her to pretend and just try it on for size, finding her opinion and then pushing it as if it's even more intense than it is. Mm. Just get her to practice that and that will help. And that will make her feel comfortable too because she doesn't even have to really stand by her convictions then. I'll just say, oh, so this situation in Palestine, oh, what a... What a moment. What do you think? And then just go with the opposite and see what she does. So whatever she whatever, whatever she says, let, like see if you can get her to lean into it. Yeah. Um, you know, she might she might be like, oh, I'm, I always worry about X. So you can get her to lean into it. 
Yeah. Uh, we, just, can, I, can I say as well, I've got another friend who is really going down the, I don't know whether they call it the red pill or the blue pill, you know, the, the dating, he's really into his, like, Dating podcasts and women and that's red pill hypergamy and all the like. Oh, it's got all the buzzwords about why modern dating is the just worst thing ever. Yeah, um, and he's he's struggling with it. But I told him about this situation, and he thinks I've struck gold. He's like, "You have hit the absolute jackpot. You've got someone with the lowest possible body count because that matters." Uh, and I don't like you're you're I, just got someone that you can mold into the perfect partner for you. Oh, th- this disgusts me, man. I I can't even. I feel like I can't sit by while you even tell me about this person. I don't even know who you're talking about, and I can say I don't like them. <laughs> right? That is not. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine anything worse as somebody who's in a you know, ten year relationship. Yeah, I can tell you, you don't want somebody boring. You want you want somebody who keeps you. Right on the you know on the edge, and it has to it has to have it has to have a bit of fire. It has to have a bit of push. Otherwise, you're just going to end up oh, falling apart. It's it's and interesting to be honest. That whoever that is, that yeah. person sounds like a, a vapid mess. Do you know what I mean? Like that person, I hope they find the most hollow, selfish woman out there, and they take that because. Because this this beautiful young girl that you're seeing, yeah. who by all accounts seems to be a nice person. She's lovely. She's really nice. Great. Somebody like that would destroy this poor, poor girl and not give her a chance to ever find out who she is. Mm. You, I really think in a relationship you actually need – you do need a little bit of push to even discover who you are initially. And most of us have done that in our 20s. You know, we you start those first few relationships, you don't even know who you are. But then you through the other person and the other person being that mirror of you in some ways, they it shows you who you are and you make decisions based on that stuff. You know, it's uh, I hope I'm articulating that right. I think so, yeah. And of the of the two of us, like the longest relationship that I've ever had is five years. I've had two of those. I had a two year relationship, and then I think I had I don't know the the next longest was like eight months. <laughs> well, the difference between a five year and ten year isn't that much, but the difference between a three month and a year and a half is quite a lot, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've had a, I've had quite a few three month relationships with people that I've ended it with. Mm. Uh, because I've just found them to be complete. I, I seem to go for crazy people, uh, with this one being the exception. I don't know. Maybe this is good for me, and maybe maybe the reason why I've got you know that reluctance there is not because she's too agreeable, but because she's not at the same level of crazy that I'm used to. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll keep seeing her. I, I think she's nice, and I'll I'll give you an update. <laughs> sure. Do let me know if you go down that road of actually just communicating a bit about it and seeing if seeing if you can get her to find I think it's worth having a talk and and we have been having a few talks uh just but usually they're kind of reassuring talks as well so you know how do you how do you feel about the way that I do this or how how do you feel like what made you decide to swipe you know those kinds of questions you also just basic cleanliness stuff a guy and a girl have different standards and if I I don't think there's been a single 
woman that I've dated that I've ever had not had the conversation about the way the toilet is left with the toilet seat up or down. Like that's at the most basic. I think generally men are dirtier on a toilet, which means that, uh, you know, there's splash and stuff like that, which generally means that you as the guy should be cleaning the toilet more. Do you not clean that? I do. I I think it's uh, I've got a boy too, so yeah, my toilet's getting cleaned almost daily. Yeah, but you know, in a relationship, you know, you're going to have little things around the house where they sit with the person for a, maybe a few days to a few weeks before they start building up and building up, and you get a little resentment happening. Mm. You need to be able to have those discussions as they happen. Yeah, The way that they put dishes in the dishwasher, that's a great one. That's, that's always a contentious thing. Way that, uh, way that uh, laundry is done. I often hang out my partner's stuff while I'm doing mine. She doesn't really care how I hang out her stuff, but I really care how she hangs out mine. Yeah. So generally, I'll always try and... Have you have you noticed that, though? I, I find as well, I get a system, and I find that the system that I've made really works. Mm. And you're really proud of this system. It's like, no, I found out that if you put that thing there, what actually happens is that the water in the dishwasher doesn't distribute in the same way that as if you put it to the edge. And so you put the, that one to the edge and then put this one in the middle. And if you put that one in the middle, you can get a whole other two dishes in there. And so you, you find those little things. Nobody cares. And... You can you can articulate or describe everything about the most premium optimum way, <laughs> and they they just turn around and say, "Well, I like this way better." You and I like systems, though. Yeah, we probably I probably would be fascinated if you were, <laughs> if we were packing the same dishwasher. Like I I like how plates have a nash, uh, so that that natural cave in yeah. the middle concave shape. And you want the water as it's spurting up from the water the yes. to focus into the yes. So you would face them a certain way. I completely understand that thinking and I love those systems. And yeah. same with hanging out my clothes. Majority of my clothes are black because yeah. I work in video. They, I will always inside out on black T-shirts because they're going to get sun, sun dried and they'll they will lose color. Yeah. So they're always inside out. They're always hung a certain way. To keep the length and not the the horizontal shape, it's important that uh, video shirts stay the same length. So when I hang them, I hang them in a way that makes the most amount of water weight go to the bottom, and that way they they tend not to shrink vertically, which is what you want. Mm. <laughs> How do you hang them? Uh, look, I'll, I, each type of shirt has a different <laughs> one. T-shirts are the easiest. I generally actually hang them what I would consider the reverse way, which is from the bottom yeah. of the shirt yeah. downwards. That's how anyone hangs the shirt. Yeah. I wish that were the case. Right. Mm. Um, uh, but, I like, I have a process for, like, all of my stuff. Basically, every aspect of your life is a process. But You've that, got a process for getting the car out. <laughs> that said, I also do much smaller washes yeah. more frequently. So I never run out of clothes. Yeah. I always, I've done my own washing my entire adult and even teen life. So I will generally, I do my son's as well. And I reckon I probably do half of my son's stuff and a little bit of my partner's as well. Yeah. But yeah, I just think um, 
all of those things I have a little process for. I like them being a certain way. The point was that you, you're going to want to be able to discuss those things. They're going to want to be able to discuss them with you. You have to have some sort of communication path yeah. open. Yeah. Are you ready for a uh, a good one that happened this week to me? Yeah, go on then. All right. I actually took a note for this. I'm just going to look it up on my phone. I almost think, though, just on that, yeah. maybe we should have a segment about cool processes that people can have in life <laughs> that, that are game changers. I've, I've found some. My favorite game is Tetris. I love a way to <laughs> create order to a chaotic mess. I can completely understand. Okay. I've called this the wet clothes incident. Um, and right. I, I don't have any notes besides that. So I'm going to have to try and remember how this all happened. Okay. So me and my partner and my son, we have a, we have a thing that we need to do for, it's like a, a play date before school starts and it's scheduled on a Saturday, middle of a hot day. Um, but it's in my calendar. I'm not going to work that time. I'm going to be there and supportive. So I get myself ready. And then I, what I usually do is I get myself ready and then 45 minutes before I would assume we would need to leave. So I would then go and then assist with my son getting ready right? and see what stage, you know, things are at. 45 minutes is about right time timeline-wise. So I come out of the studio and I go up there and I find out that I'm dressed, I'm ready to go, shoes are on, everything. My partner tells me that, that uh, she... She'd like to go for a swim after. But me, I'm already dressed and I'm already putting on the shoes of my son. And I'm like, what? What? Okay. I was like, do you want, should I go get my bathers on? Or she's like, no, no, we'll do it after. I'm like, that's hours. So maybe I'll get, we'll just get changed at the beach. She's like, okay. She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, Okay. I, you know, I don't, I only set aside three hours for the play thing. I hadn't considered that we might be at the beach for another three hours or so. Mm. We usually take about two and a half hours at the beach. Okay. And so she's, but then she's already stressed at me just for mentioning that. And uh, she goes, oh, we, do you, do you want to, she starts snapping with me. Do you want to go to the beach or do you not want to go to the beach? And I'm like, if I have a choice, I would just like to do the thing that we've set to do. And then if we want to come home and get changed, then I don't have to bring all of the gear. I don't have to pack the car for the beach with all the toys and stuff. Yeah. And this upsets her enough that she storms out and she swears. Right? She's angry. I'm like, okay. So I go just go over and I start changing my son's shirt. And then she comes back and she says, uh, well, let's bring the bathers and stuff. I'm like, okay, do you want me to go do mine? She's like, no, can you do ours? And then I remember the day before they'd gone to the beach and I'd offered and taken their – I because I it's one of my jobs around the house is generally to, to help things run smoothly. So what I did is I went and got their wet bathers and towels mm-hmm. and then I wa- washed them outside to clean the sand off and then I put them in the washing machine. Right. So I did that, but they didn't get home till seven and my son goes to bed at about 8.45. So I'd done the wash and I'd set, set off the washing machine, but I hadn't hung out the stuff because it hadn't finished till that morning. Right. Which means that their bathers are still, are still wet. They're, they're clean, 
but they're wet. I said, sorry, you want to bring them even though we're not, you said we weren't going to the beach just before. Are we now going to the beach? She goes, I just want the option to go to the beach. I'm like, okay, but is it more important that I hang them out now so that they're dry and then we come back and you put them on dry or do you want to bring the wet stuff? And this upsets her terribly. And I've just said it exactly like I've said it to you. Yeah. So quite matter of fact, what do you want? And got to remember, I've done this for them, right? And this isn't my bathers. Yeah. I've cleaned their stuff twice. I did the sand and then I did the, the laundry. I'm being yelled at and sworn at by somebody who's very angry for seemingly no reason here. Mm-hmm. And why they're freaking out at me. And I just said, look, I just, just please, all I need to know, do they go on the line? Yes. That's what she said. So I went downstairs, went out the back and I hung out their stuff on the line. I come back in, I finish getting my son ready. And just as we're about to leave, she goes, where are the clothes? And I said, you asked me to hang them out on the line. I did not ask you to hang them out on the line. I said, bring them. Oh, my God. And she swears at me again. So she swore like five times in front of our four-year-old, which we we don't do. Yeah. Like F words and S words. Uh, now, I have a choice here because the way I'm being treated is wrong. It's abusive. I think, and I should have shut, I could shut it down. Yeah. And then I stopped for a minute to try and work this out. If I shut her down right now, even though I would be right to do that, we're not going to go to the play thing that is for my son's uh, preschool. So (laughs) I'm thinking that, and I'm not angry because I really... I can see whatever's going on here has nothing to do with me. This is just a feeling that's being had by somebody else. You you can't possibly be annoyed at me for cleaning and hanging out your stuff. And especially because I was exactly sure what I said and what she said. Yeah. I'll probably never forget it for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, so, so when somebody tells me, oh, you got that wrong. I'm like, no, I didn't. I got it right. So I, I, I just took her by the shoulders and I said, let's just stop here for a minute. And she looked at me and she, she was like, she was fuming. I said, no, just take a second. She said, no, and I can't, I'm so angry. And I, and I said, I said, just look me in the eyes. And she looked me in the eyes and then just started crying. And then I hugged her, right? Hmm. And then everything changed. She was she was cool as a cucumber. Whatever, whatever thing that she was holding onto that she was was upsetting her had nothing to do with me, right? She needed a moment. She was obviously stressed out. Had no way of filtering it any other way, mm. and needed an external person, in this case me, to help her work out, work that out. And it's funny because, like, after that. Oh, I, I love you so much, Tom. You, you're great. Thank you. Uh, and she thanked me for doing all the stuff. Right. Now, it was a really stressful little period of time for me, 45 minutes of like running around the house, being being told off for stuff that I had nothing to do with, helping and still being, um, 
you know, and I, I just love that interaction of how it all went. And luckily, I wasn't also stressed at the time. That's part of the balance. I was quite relaxed that day. See, I, I couldn't have done that. I, I would have had to have called it out. Do you remember last week we were talking about what you feel and then doing the opposite? Yeah. Sometimes if you, if you can really embody that, just think of what you want to do and then think about the opposite and just start doing that. Mm. And if you want to, you can always bail back to what you actually want to do. Yeah, I like if somebody is having a go at me, I like telling them it's not appropriate and you better sort it out. Yeah. You know, I love that stuff. But it wasn't going to help me and it certainly wasn't going to help my son. And in the end, I look at that situation and it ended up perfect. Mm. She felt much better for the rest of the day. You know, <sighs> I just, I do wish that she was able to process some of that stuff herself in her own time without my assistance. Any idea what was causing the emotion? Uh, I, if I had to guess, it was probably just the the nature of the stress of the situation. With it, when you have a young kid, they hit you a couple of times with it, or you step on their Lego or something like that. Yeah, and then you're also trying to hurry them up, but they're hiding under the bed. Like it is, it's amazing how stressful just getting out of the house can be. Yeah, and I would say that it was probably something like that that just set her on a course. And she was just sailing that course and it was just getting worse and worse and the water was getting rougher. Have you have you seen the clip from Michael McIntyre about people without kids don't know what it's like? <laughs> uh, if, if you haven't seen it, remind me. I have to show you because it is, I find it absolutely hilarious and it really hits the nail on the head about, you know, people with kids versus people without kids and their different, you know, understanding of what life is actually like when you get kids. Mm. It's really good. Let's just talk about what would have happened if I had not done that, just so you work out the situation. If I had not done that thing at that exact moment, there's a chance that we got in the car and the car went 20 metres up the road and then pulled over in silence while she cried. Mm. We do not end up going to the thing. While she's crying, my son is freaking out in the back and starts would start yelling. Yeah. Why, is, why are we going? Are we not going anymore? Then we turn around, we go back. I take my son out of the car. She stays in the car, cries or go for, goes for a walk by herself, comes back. We've missed the event. He's in a terrible mood. Mm. Day over. That's the, the, the added stress of a kid is the kid does not give you any time to process. I, I think it's more the idea that you have to... Or not have to, but you you see tolerating some sort of abuse and as the best possible solution to this. And you know, we always talk about you know abuse and stuff is never okay. And mm. there's all types of abuse that you know there's financial, physical, emotional kinds of abuse. But getting sworn at, particularly in front of a of a child, is not good. Yeah, and I'm I should reiterate, I'm being sworn at for doing their laundry. Yeah. Not my laundry. I did their laundry at night, overnight. But he, he's seeing you get sworn at, but he's also seeing you taking it, like not calling it out or anything. So he's he's seeing two aspects of that there that he's I, now exposed to. Yes, that's true. And the, the one thing generally in a K-12 
case of a passive person and an aggressive person, the aggressive person wins. That's how it always works out. And it's the same for, I would think, kids' perceptions. Yeah. When they see an aggressive person attacking a passive person, they will take on the attacker. Yeah. The kid notices the attacker. They don't actually notice what the other person's doing because this one's so much louder. Yeah. It's so much more aggressive. And then when they they don't actually think, oh, I'm going to be a passive person because that seems great. Yeah. They think, oh, I'm going to be an aggressive person. And it's part of the reason why we have a, a son that's uh, a little bit of a um, – he's going to be the school bully if we're not careful. You know, the – I think one of the best things you can be is slow to anger, but I also, I, of course, I do believe in sticking up for yourself. When it comes to, when it comes to abuse, I do think that oh, I'm in an abusive relationship quite a lot. I, I would say that. I mean, going off some of the things that you've told me that have happened. Yeah, I, I would say the same, and I think that. Your primary reason for sticking around is twofold. One, it's your your son. And two is if you were to leave the retribution that would be, you know, rained down on you for, for choosing to leave, there, there wouldn't be about an amicable separation. It would be how do I punish Tom? <laughs> yeah. Look, and it would be I, taking I half of your business and I, – I don't disagree with you there. But at the same time, I, I do – I genuinely love this person. And yeah. The, and to be honest, our relationship's as good as it, it's ever been. Yeah. It's it's actually a, quite a nice place. For me, I generally need a stimuli of some kind to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I Generally, I'm in a pretty even mood. I mean, you guys, by now, this is our fifth episode, you can sort of get a, a sense of my personality and what I'm like. And certainly, Jake, you know me. I'm, I think I'm pretty consistent with the, the stuff that I deal with, but... It's funny dealing with somebody else who can literally just wake up wrong. I've never had – I don't deal with that. Yeah. I certainly can't wake up in a place where I'm going to treat somebody else poorly. I don't wake up like that. Hmm. I don't wake wake up and then call my friends and abuse them, <laughs> you know. Well, not usually, no. It's, uh, it's one of those things I just don't – I don't know how we – sort of get into these situations where, um, yeah, but I. <laughs> mm. We were talking off the air the other day mm-hmm. uh, about blind spots in in, in personality. Mm-hmm. And you pointed out some of mine in that I had an argument with my sister over something that I thought was being courteous and she saw it as an affront to her equal standing within, you know, the, the household and whatnot. And uh, for me, it was about what is correct uh, from a you know rational and logical perspective, and that's how I tend to operate. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of you kind of made the point that well, yeah, but you're always operating in that that area, and so you're oblivious to when that's not the appropriate way to respond. Uh, I think that's what you were getting at. Uh, do you do you notice? Any, any differences though where – so I feel like what you've done is the polar opposite. So sometimes there is an objectively like bad situation and what you've essentially done now is justify, well, it's it's okay as long as the outcome for me is good in the end. It's sort of like the, the ends justify the means in terms of the abuse. 
I think I think I genuinely feel that way in many many times. But unlike most people, when you're when you're quick to anger, you have no choice. You go with the flow, and it leads you down a path. And all of that stuff that I said would have happened would have happened. Yeah. But luckily, I don't actually need. I have the ability to choose now because I've just done that done that work so much. But isn't that more a coping mechanism? No, no. I you literally I can choose whether I'm just going to not tolerate it today. And I sometimes do. But for me, they don't feel at the end I look at those situations and I go I didn't I as like a, a personal post-mortem of a situation. I look at those situations and go I actually I wasn't happy with the outcome. I don't think I did I felt better about the outcome for either for me or or for the other person. If I if I felt like they were somehow victories or that they were good for good for us, I think I'd feel proud enough to even talk about them. But I just don't. Generally, anger, I just But it's not even oh. about coming out in anger though. It's just about calling calling it say I well I don't really know what the what the appropriate thing is because I know what I would do and I Well, let's say let's say you're her, right? Yeah. And you're having a go at me for for the way that I did the washing or the reason the washing's not hung out, even yeah. though it's not. Honestly, wearing that outfit again. Ugh. If you if you treat me like that, generally what I was I won't come to you out of anger. I'll just say like and I've literally said that you cannot speak to me that way. It's not okay. And especially you can't do it in front of our son. Yeah. I've had that exact conversation. And what I found is that next time it happens the same way. And I don't know what I'm meant to do because, you know, it's like uh, I, I have this thought sometimes when we talk about, oh, let's call for the firing or the cancelling of this uh, actor or, or this CEO. They should be fired. Yeah, I'm like, where do you think that person's going to go? They just go from that job to another job. Yeah, If you don't tell the person that you're with that they're treating you poorly and then they – what happens? Well, that person just goes to another person and you hope that they've learnt the lesson, but they're treating somebody else that way. The reason I mention that is that I just don't think people change that much. I think people, you, the best barometer for future behaviour is past behaviour. So, oh, that's that, not I to guess, say that people what am I saying? I can't even work out what I'm saying here. Am I saying I'm taking a bullet for the for the team of men out there, and I hope that's not what I'm saying. Well, it, it's sort of more along along the lines of I know I know that if I just keep my mouth shut on this issue and find a way to make like to to placate her emotions, then and I don't have to worry about addressing the the you know shitty thing that's just happened to me. Because yeah, that, that's the difference, though. I really that it. That, that's absolutely you're right on the money. The difference between ignoring a situation but or ignoring the effects of the actual situation, bypassing it to get to the core of the problem, and then addressing the core of the problem. The problem had nothing to do with me, right? I was a, I was a victim of the symptoms of this other person not resolving the problem. Now... I want to address those symptoms. <laughs> I do. But I can't address that while they're angry. Like that doesn't I can tell them stop doing it hmm. and hope that that sinks in, but it doesn't it won't. 
it generally people need to be in a reasonable frame of mind. And I think later she came back and she did apologize. That said, I I fucking hate apologies. I think that uh, the best apology is never doing the same thing again. Yeah. And I know that if this person is in, wakes up in a bad mood, that they will do it again. Yeah. So there's that. At the same time, I learn things fast. They learn things slow. They need time to work the work on this stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I absolutely I wouldn't recommend anybody else. Um, you know, it's <laughs> it's funny because some of the things you say remind me of some behavior management techniques that you get as a teacher uh, in your arsenal of things. Like there's there's something called tacti- tactically or tactically ignoring or <laughs> yeah. actively ignoring a a certain behavior, and you can choose to do that for a multitude of reasons, and it's a conscious decision on your part to to ignore a certain behavior. So, you know, if kids aren't listening while you're speaking, obviously you don't you don't ignore that unless there's a really good reason for it. Generally, I, I, I would ignore that. I'd address that because I'm explaining instructions. If you're not listening, that sends the wrong message to the class, but it also means that I'm going to have to repeat myself to you later. Mm. But if I've got someone uh, in the schoolyard that I've gone out and told off because, you know, they've thrown some rubbish on the ground or something. I'm like, right, you're going to pick that up right now. And, you know, there's a bit of slack. It's like, right, well, if you don't do it now, you're going to have detention or whatever. And I've just called them out and made them do this thing. While I'm walking off, they might be muttering under their breath about how they hate me and they're staring daggers into my back and stuff. I ignore that. And I could easily turn around and say, what did you say to me? How disrespectful, you know, how dare you? But really what I'm doing is I'm giving them an opportunity to uh, reclaim some social standing with their peers because while I've just I've just basically humiliated them in front of their friends they've just been told off by the teacher like oh you got owned um if they if they don't have a mechanism for dealing with that and I I kick that up again and go over and tell them off again for you know something that really doesn't matter they've done the thing I've asked them to do I wanted them to pick up the paper and not litter in the ground they've done that the secondary behavior that they're showing now is they're you know muttering and it's it's really it's it's just out of uh i've got to try to save face here Mm, that's a good point i i'm going to ignore that because it at the end of the day that doesn't matter i can pretend i didn't even hear it yeah in fact even if you after you left they threw the paper out again just to spite you but you didn't see it yeah that's still a good situation because you've you've i yeah, that that is a behavior. That's a behavior as secondary. It has nothing to do with you. Has yeah. to do with how they are interacting with their peers. Yeah, you're not asking them to sort out their emotional problems with their peers. No, you just want them the paper to be picked up when you're if you see it done and you did it. Yeah, yeah, I like that, and I think that that's a that's certainly a technique that I've I've uh, I've, I've tried. So so much of of teaching are just those these little psychological things that you pick up over time, mm. and so much of behavior management is around uh, the selection of the battles that you're going to enter, mm. and the the sign of great behavior management is knowing which battles to choose to to fight, mm. and don't don't enter into battles you know you can't win. Now, if I went out to the schoolyard and I said, you pick that up now, and I knew for a fact that they weren't going to pick it up, the worst thing I could do is go over and demand that they pick it up. Because if I already know they're not going to do it, all I'm going to do is 
lose credibility as a teacher myself. Mm. I'd be much better off ignoring that behaviour and saying, okay, well, they're in front of, you know, 16 friends. They're going to do whatever they can to show off and they don't know me. I don't have that relationship with them yet. I know that they're not going to do what I say. It, it, the worst thing I can do is go over and try to establish some kind of teacher dominance over them. It'll just make me look like I'm on a power trip. I could go out and give out detentions to 15 kids, mm. but that's not going to do it. That's not going to achieve anything for me. I'm much better off ignoring it. And then, um, you know, if I can catch that kid one-on-one and, and have a conversation, maybe that's a little bit different. But again, it just comes down to, do I know that I can get this this child to do what I need them to do? Mm. And if I can't, if I know that it's not going to work, then it's not in my interest to, to try to force them to do it. I love that. I love that example. I think it's great. I just, I just at the end of that, I had a little thought that I think is worth saying. I like having a relationship. Uh, sorry, I like not bursting out in anger. I, I do like that. I never do that to the other person. I've never sworn at that person. If that person's acting insane, I try not to call them insane. Yeah. Those sorts of things. I try to be the person who helps the other person get through it. I tell you, if those roles were reversed where I had somebody else to help me and that I had the flexibility that sometimes I could get angry and it not be a problem the way it is, I would love that. I would love that. I don't have the flexibility in this relationship that I can be that. I'm sometimes, you know, I'm I'm harassed for the things that I do right. So imagine if I actually did something wrong (laughs) where I was momentarily abusive or something. Mm. Yeah, and I I tell you, I do feel a little bit of resentment of just not being able to be that person sometimes because always having your guard up, it, it does cost a little bit of energy. Always being the, the better person. Like, and yeah. I, also, I, I hope that's okay to say, but I generally think the, the better person is the person who doesn't hurt the other person. Yeah, I, I am inclined to agree with that. Uh, I've got someone in my life, a uh, member of my family, Mm. Uh, I think I mentioned before my sister. She's quite a volatile person. She is. I, yeah. I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast. I don't know. I know that we've talked about it before. Yep. And it's it's difficult to assume that role because you've grown up with this person, uh, and she she has uh, some mental health uh, things going on where she's essentially a sixteen uh, year old in the body of a you know woman in her thirties. But she doesn't respond like a woman in her 30s. And she often says, hello, I'm the one with the disability. Of course I'm not going to be, you know, the bigger person here. And I kind of feel like, or or quite often she'll say to me, oh, look, I couldn't get my medication this week. So I might be really... (laughs) Be prepared to be Like just be prepared that I might snap. Yeah. And I, I kind of, or like I might be a little bit less... Uh, amicable in our conversations. And I feel like in in a big way that's asking for like, or not even asking for permission, but telling me, be prepared because I'm going to be a bitch to you at some point. Mm. And I, I kind of feel like, well, be prepared. If you're aware that you're going to be 
less agreeable. What are you doing to address that? And I nothing. She doesn't. She doesn't want to change how she is. Uh, and I, I understand that a lot of this is, is hormonal differences and because she's on some very strong medication. Uh, but I don't know, a, a big part of me thinks that it's, it's – and this, is, this could be my ignorance because I'm not privy to all of the conversations that she has with her you know, counsellor and stuff, but it could, it could be that I'm ignorant. But I don't feel like – I feel like it's a cop-out to just say, well, I'm hormonal this week, you're going to have to deal with my bitchiness. Uh, and if I don't like something, I'm just going to rip your head off and you have to be okay with it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think that said, that said, there, there are going to be hormones are a particular thing. There are people who are very hormonal end up in angry situations all the time. Mm. And I do wonder how much control over that they have. However, I never deny that it's their responsibility, not the other person's. You being near them, you do not have the responsibility to receive a, abuse. Yeah. Right? If somebody treats you poorly, you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to take it on. It's nothing to do with you. It's their stuff. Yeah. I just, uh, I, yeah, you know, I'm looking at that situation. I'm, I say it's their responsibility. So if I, if I had something I had no choice about, um, I wonder if I can use an example of actually physically hurting somebody in a way. Oh, let's say I run over your foot with my car. Okay. Again. It was an accident. Yeah. Accident. You let's pretend <laughs> I never ran over Jake's foot. All right? Don't go nobody write in about that. So I'm quite deadpan about my humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was very deadpan. Everyone's gonna think I'm running over toes here. Let's say I ran over your toe. Yeah. Now it might not have been my fault. Maybe you walked walked out while I was reversing. I had no, you're in the blind spot. Nothing to do with me. For some reason, you were standing behind the car as I backed in. Let's say that that situation occurs. I'd be very apologetic, regardless of whether it was my fault. I would try to help you address the problem. And I'd probably, I'd do all I could to make that okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's say that I intentionally did it. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm going to be, I never look behind me <laughs> while I go down the, the driveway. It's In fact, if you're behind me, it's your fault, <laughs> right? And then I ran over your foot 10 times and then abused you for not taking it well enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, a, that's a stupid, stupid thing. That makes no sense to me. You have to, you have to care about your impact on the other person. The, yeah, I disgusting. Here, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Now, I used to when I was living in London, I had a living landlord that was an interesting guy as well. Geez, I've got some interesting London stories. I have to tell you some of these sometime. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. But he he was a oh he was a to be honest, he was a bit of a moron. Okay, uh, but he he was very particular about how he had his house set set out and so he had rules for the kitchen about where things belong and stuff and so the oven is always to be empty so it's free free to use and these pots go in this drawer and this pot gets hung up and all of that which is fine i can abide by that that's fine and so i'd always make an effort of you know if i use something put it back where it belongs now one day i went to use the oven and so i've turned it on preheated it up now, the oven's kind of awkward. You have to bend down to get to it and stuff. But I've, I've turned it on. And then when I've, I've gone away to let it warm up, and then when I've come back and I've opened the lid, there's a 
something inside the oven with a plastic handle that is now melted. Oh, no. Now, I'm at fault here because why didn't you check to see if there's something in the oven? I'm like, well, why did you leave? You've got all these rules about where things go. Why did you leave it in the oven? And he said, I was just trying out something, a new method. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. It's like, yeah, well, why didn't you check? It's like, well, the oven up until this point has always been empty. Maybe yeah. I should have checked. I don't know. But I, I felt very hard. He's like, well, you're going to put, you're gonna have to buy a new one. And so I did. I went out and bought a new one. Uh, and it was like, I don't know, $50 or something. But at the time, I, I felt really stooged. I'm like, well, dude, you've left it in a, you've left it in a place that gets mm. hot. Yep. Like, why would, you, why would you do that? Out of all the things, this, even when the oven is on, you would not leave something like that in the oven. It's plastic. Genius. I, I was hoping you would say that. Uh, and, but no, it was my fault because I didn't check the oven. If you're going to put anything in the oven, it better be oven safe for a start. Yeah. But generally, you should never leave anything in the oven because it's a fire hazard. You don't leave things in there. Even even storing storing oven trays is not a good idea in an oven. God, I hate, I hate that. But at the same time, yes, you should have checked yeah. just to avoid burning down the house, right? You should have checked. Yeah. But no, it's not your responsibility. It's whoever put the thing in there. We have this thing. I I've got a real problem with the. I often think about the dangers of of a house. Yeah. Where are the where are the things that are going to go wrong first? We've got a double story house. Yeah. So water damage upstairs, high likelihood. Kids going to leave the water going in the tap. It's going to overflow, permanently damage the wood underneath the floor, yeah. underneath the tiles. That sort of that sort of scenario. So we have an oven. We have a dog that can reach the oven, and we have a boy that can reach the oven. Yeah. Often my partner will store things on top of the heating elements. She'll leave pots and pans or even dishes sometimes that are that she hasn't got to yet. Yeah. And I'm always like, no, there, it doesn't matter what you have to do, but under no circumstances can you leave something on the heating element. The dog will come up to smell what's in the thing and literally turn on the heating element and burn the entire house down and we won't even be here. Yeah. You'll have a dead dog and a completely destroyed family home. Yeah. And like that's I've said it so many times. It for a week there'll be nothing on the on the top of the heating elements and then all of a sudden and then it comes straight back. Yeah. She just gets lazy again and she goes she, I've told her that it's the it's the like it's the number one risk in this house. You, you have a dishwasher. I know, but forget that. It is. This is not about cleanliness. This right. is about safety. Yeah. We cannot have things on the heating element in a place where the boy who we know does this yeah. will come in and turn on the heating element yeah. with a dog who can actually activate it with her paws. Mm. We can't have that. Like this, ours isn't gas as well. It's just. Uh, it's just electric. Yeah. So the the dog only needs to. Literally twist the knob. You could get a master switch put in. I just, just trying to get her to get on board with this number one safety thing yeah. that is life destroying is real. It's, it's a real bug of mine. Ah, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The other day, she went and bought a fire blanket, which I asked her years ago. I said, you know, we should have one. I, 
But then I, I just said, oh, well, actually, it'd be better if we just don't put anything on top of the oven. Yeah. But she still puts stuff on top of the oven. Mm. But now we have a fire blanket. <laughs> Somebody needs to be here to put the fire, blanket, the fire blanket on the yeah. hot. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. But still, I'm glad we have a fire blanket. One of the, one of the things that I, I was talking about with my uh, my brother the other day is my my mum always wanted a Weber barbecue. <laughs> yeah. And she she had said like time and time again, her birthday was coming up and she she had been talking to us and she's like, oh, I really think for my birthday I'm going to get myself a Weber barbecue. I'm like, oh, well, no, I won't let her do that. I'll go out and I'll get a Weber barbecue. Like, I'll, you know, that'd be a great present. Did you buy one? No. Oh. No, because okay. before I got the chance, yeah. my, my sister went out and said, well, I know you were looking for a barbecue. <laughs> so here's a... Generic, off-brand barbecue. Oh no! Did she buy them? Didn't she buy. A didn't buy. One? I don't. It, do, it doesn't even have a brand that you'd recognise. Like it's just a. It was like a two hundred dollar barbecue um, from Bunnings or something. I don't know. Oh, that's really disappointing. And it's just sat in the garage. Like I think Mum used it once. And I don't like. I don't know what the thing is with Weber barbecues. Apparently, they make a difference in the cooking, and everything just tastes better. I don't understand it. But oh, they. There is a thing, and I really want to get my mum one, but it's kind of been ruined for it now because she's like, well, I've got a barbecue now. I don't need the Weber. But I'm like, yeah, but you're not using that. Um, and I'm like, well, let me get you a Weber barbecue. I'll, I'll buy you a Weber barbecue. And she's like, no, but if you want a bar- you use that one. If you want a barbecue, you use that one. And I, I just think, well, the whole appeal of having this barbecue that she's wanted, you know, for months and months, mm. it's now just gone. Yeah. It's been completely deflated, and even buying a Weber barbecue now would would be a tainted idea because she's. And now you got you got to store both of them. You've, yeah, you can. Even it's a if it's a gift from somebody who lives in the house. Yeah. How do you even sell sell it? You, you know what I mean. Really, you can't really yeah. sell it on Facebook. Yeah. Oh God, that's terrible. That's terrible. This way, you got to make sure that you get the right one. Yeah. You know? God, if don't you wish that instead she'd been given a um, a gift voucher? <laughs> yeah. Gift voucher would have saved you. Yeah. Oh well, mate. I I think we're we're getting to the point where I'm gonna have to go and appease some things. All right. Well, so. that's enough of an episode. But maybe we uh, come back and do another another one uh, sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. After that, we have to do our reviews. Yeah, I've got reviews. I've got lots I got of stuff reviews. I want to talk about. Yeah. But like that's still a pretty meaty episode. I'm, yeah. So meaty. If you have any problems with the length of the episode. It's got girth. <laughs> if you have any problems with the girth of this episode, uh just write in at punpalspodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. Or write in anyway. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, love just to, say hello. Yeah, say hi. Let us know um, where you're from, what yeah. you're up to. And we'll if give you have, a shout out in the email in the podcast. And if you have any subjects you want us to cover, um do that too. That that could be fun. I I'd, great. Love to I'd love to use a, some, some fans podcast unless they write in something like you guys suck. <laughs> it's like, well, I do they want enjoy to a good the lollipop. <laughs> the what? The what? The Holocaust? Yeah, they want us to. Jeez, talk that about. took a turn. <laughs> um, you imagine something that we don't even want to talk. Ever, <laughs> you don't want to talk the about Barbie movie. Yeah. Oh, no, we want to talk about the Barbie. Do we want to talk? I, yeah. I haven't even seen it yet. Do I need to watch it? Yes. Okay, I'll go watch the Barbie movie. Okay, watch Barbie. I'll I'll watch it on my next date. I'll say, let's watch this film. All right. And I already can tell you, she'll say, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, that is episode five of Pun Powers. I am Tom. And I am Jake. You are Jake. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>